Well, how is everybody doing this morning? Great to see all your smiley faces here this morning. We're going to have a great time. We've already been having a great time in the presence of God. It's just so good just to praise his name. It says that he, he inhabits the praises of his people. When we take time to worship and we, we let the walls down of our heart, he just floods in and he begins to inspire thoughts and feelings and directions in us. Man, it's, it's such so important that we just take time and worship, take time and praise. And you don't need Tofen, the worship team, to do it. You, know, you can find a good playlist on your phone, and just whenever you need it, you're feeling a little down, you just turn it on, and just like, God, this is the moment for you and I. We're just going to take this moment together, and I'm just going to worship you. I, I'm going to, may not do all the singing. Maybe, I, maybe you're like Pastor Robin, and you just don't sound good when you sing. That's okay. He, he doesn't mind how you sound. He knows exactly what your capabilities are, but he loves when we just praise and worship and take time for him, and he inhabits the praises of his people. Well, this morning, we're going to continue on in the mini-series that we started last week called Beware the Snare. And we were reading out of Joshua chapter 23, where Joshua's getting ready to die. He's like, he's old, he's advanced in age, and, and he's giving them the instructions that they need to be successful once he's gone. He's delivering them the messages that God has laid on his heart for them as a nation. And as he's going through and reminding them of all the great things that God had done for them up to this point, he says to them, the other nations that are still left in the land, you need to go ahead and push them out. I, I have given, the, you know, to, to Judah I gave this one, and to, to Ephraim I'm going to give this one. And, you know, all through them he had divided up the land and said, go ahead and finish the work. And he said something really important. He said, for if you don't, if you let them stay, if they get to stay in the land with you, they will become a trap. They will become a snare. They will become a scourge in your side and a thorn in your eye. And sometimes when we don't see things through to the end, the things that we let remain that have no business being in our lives, they become a snare unto us. And so what's a snare? It's a hunter thing. If you're going to catch a little rabbit, you can set up a little string and you, you get, the, get the little stick, kind of like the little illustration I got up there. And so that when, when the rabbit's going by, he puts his foot in it and the snare is pulled and he can't get away. And the enemy likes to leave little traps for us, just little simple things. With a story in Joshua chapter 23, it starts with a long time after the Lord had given them rest. And so it was the little things that ended up leading to the nation's downfall because they were at rest. Because those who were still there and those who they hadn't pushed out weren't really that much of a problem at that time. They were at rest. But Joshua foresaw by the Holy Spirit that they were going to be a problem for them. And he said, push them out. And so when God is working on our lives and he's, and he's building us up, he's bringing healing and he's strengthening to our lives, there are certain things that led us into those destructive ways and those hurts that were in our lives that if we don't kick them out, they become snares to us and we get trapped. But as we read in Psalm chapter 91 at the end last week, surely he shall 
deliver us from the snare of the fowler. Surely whatever we end up trapped in, he is the faithful to deliver us from. And then by the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, he can help us stopping going back and getting trapped ever again. He, man, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll make you smart. Come on. You may not know what to do as a natural person right now, but the Holy Spirit is never short on wisdom. He knows exactly how to lead you. So what used to be a problem, what used to be a wound, you don't have to go back to that. And unfortunately, myself included, we often go around the mountain several times. We get out of things and then we end up back in them. But I felt that the word that the Holy Spirit was putting on my heart last week is beware the snare. If you know what he's trying to do and you know what he wants to do in your life when you come across the snare, you just say, no, thank you. I don't want to step in that. Come on, whatever the enemy meant for evil in your life, God can turn around for good. Every, every wall that he puts up before you, you can go ahead and kick down by the power of the Holy Spirit. He can give you wisdom of how to get around it. And so this morning, I want to piggyback right off of what we were talking about last week with Beware the Snare. And, and we're going to go a little bit different route this morning. And uh, the Holy Spirit impressed some stuff on my heart. And, you know, my job as the pastor, I'm, I'm the primary teacher here at this building. But you need to hear other ways of looking at things beyond how I see them. Right? My job as a pastor is to be a curator of information, a curator of hope and freedom. And maybe I can't say it the way that it needs to be said. And so sometimes we got to hear it from a little di different direction. And so this morning, we're going to look at things from a little different direction, and you're not going to hear it from me. We're going to listen this morning in from a, a great man of God. His name's Brother Keith Moore, and he's a pastor down in the south of the states. And he came out from the same background as me. We both served at Prayer and Healing Center in Oklahoma. He actually ran it for a whole bunch of years. And he is just such an anointed teacher of God. And the thing about Keith is he can take one, one verse and he can preach 20 weeks on that one verse and not be, not be done. Just like as he begins to speak, the Holy Spirit just begins to fill him. And so this morning with this theme of beware the snare, there's things we need to walk away from and be aware of. And I believe Brother Keith this morning will be a huge blessing to you. So I want you to dig in just like it would be if I was preaching the message this morning. Take notes because God's got a word for you guys this morning. We all set there, Adam? Okay. Let's enjoy this together. Praise God. Go with me, if you would, back to uh, Acts, the ninth chapter, and let's continue in our study of the healing of Aeneas. Back in verse uh, 32, uh, the Amplified, as Peter went here and there among them all, he went down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedfast for eight years and was paralyzed after months and years of something you get acclimated to that lifestyle right so even after a year much less five or eight uh, there were things in place he couldn't walk he couldn't move himself so he, there are people who help him. There are things that help him. And so this is his life now. He, he's paralyzed and, and bedfast. 
the scripture implies, bed fast. So uh, he did everything in bed. He ate in bed. He, he lived in bed. And he can't go and do like able-bodied people can. And uh, go with me to Psalm 41, and I want you to notice, because the scripture has a number of things to say about this. I want you to note that um, the command of the, the Holy Spirit through Peter was, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Jesus Christ makes you whole. Get up and what? Make your bed. Why? Make your bed. Why would that be a factor? Why is... Why would that be part? Is that necessary? It is. More than you might think. And this is not an isolated instance. Uh, this sounds, rise, take up your bed, and go home. You ever heard that before? <laughs> that sounds exactly like Jesus. Because that's what Jesus said and did. More than once. In the accounts we've already studied back in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he used the same terminology. That's where Peter got it. Take up your bed. What's with the bed? Right, I mean, why? What's that got to do with getting healed? Take up your bed. Now, bed, this wasn't a four-poster. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a lot to ask. Somebody's been bed fast for eight years. Towed a four-poster out of there. But <laughs> uh, no, it was most likely a mat or some type of a mattress, but not like we think big foam spring mattress. No, that came later. But some kind of a mat or some kind of thin stuffed uh mattress mat why do you, do you did he need to be specific and say get up and that's not all get that mat and make that up well making your bed would be rolling it up or folding it up uh, making it more portable and putting it on your shoulder or your back or something or in your arms in, in Psalm 41, notice this. Psalm 41, and I'm going to read this out of the Amplified as well. Psalm 41, 1. It says, uh, Blessed is he who considers the weak and the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of evil and trouble. Now, whether folks believe it or not, everything in creation operates on the principle of sowing and reaping. Everything. And when you help people out who are in need, you're sowing a good seed for your future. That's right. And for one thing, the proverb says, if you have mercy on the poor, you won't lack. Did you hear that? Yes. Helping people in need is prevention from you getting in need. Oh, class, did you hear that or not? I'm quoting scripture. 
And it's not like you're buying your way into anything. And it's not that you deserve it or have earned it. That's not the case. But how does God deal with human beings in this planet? There are billions of us. And if he's going to have a right to do something for you that he hasn't done for all the other billions of people, it'll have to be because you were willing to do something they weren't willing to do. Come on, can you see that? You, you responded to him. You cooperated with him and allowed him to do this in your life. So verse 2 goes on to say, the Lord will protect him and keep him alive. He shall be called blessed in the land, and you will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now notice the next verse. The Lord will sustain, refresh, and strengthen him on his bed of languishing, and all his bed, you, Lord, will turn and change and transform in his illness. You'll turn his bed. Take up your bed. And we'll, we'll look at this as we go, but uh, it's a play on the words even. And the phrase we'll look at at some point is taking captivity captive. <laughs> you ever heard that phrase? Yeah. Um, and turning captivity. What does that mean? Well, look at it like this. Rise. Take up your bed. Go to your house. Well, he came from the house on the bed. Now the bed is going back to the house on him. <laughs> Something got turned around. Is that right? <laughs> he, he was reliant and dependent on somebody else to even carry the bed or help get the bed there. Now he's no longer reliant, no longer dependent. And the, the Lord doesn't want him going, uh, you know, yeah, you know, you take the bed. No, you don't need anybody helping you with the bed anymore. Oh, come on, now you're seeing it, class, huh? Right? Uh-uh. No, you carry your own bed. I know uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr., my father in the faith, who's in heaven now, he gives his testimony about how that he was born uh, prematurely way back uh, what was it, 1917 or something before they had all the incubators and all those things born at home not even in the hospital and he was so premature and so undeveloped that they went to bury him uh, the little you know premature infant uh, on the property and whoever was burying him said they detected a little, a little movement. And they thought, well, uh-oh, he, you know, maybe, maybe it is still, they said uh, he, he was so premature that he didn't look fully human and fully formed. And so this was something that they were just going to dispose of. And, and so they brought him back and, 
and nursed and nursed and, and tenderly helped, and, and he lived. But as he grew into a boy, they realized he had problems. Uh, he, and they, the doctors, they took him to some outstanding hospitals and stuff, and they said uh, he wasn't fully developed on the inside. And he had an incurable blood disease. His heart wasn't fully developed and working right. And so they said nobody in his condition had ever lived past age 16. And sure enough, when he got within a few months of that age, he became totally bedfast and was dying. And I won't go into all of it, but the Lord healed him. Instead of him dying, he healed him, raised him up. But he said he was, uh, at that point, he's 16 and 17 years old, but he was six foot tall and weighed less than 100 pounds. So he's, he's like a walking skeleton. And so he said when, when the Lord healed him that morning in his bedroom and he walked into the kitchen where they were having breakfast and he said his granddad put his utensils down and said, is the dead raised? <laughs> is Lazarus raised from the grave? That's how amazing it was to everybody. And he was. And he sat down and had breakfast with them. But he said, uh, being so thin he was weak and much exertion would just leave him you know panting for breath and, and weak and so uh, he, he immediately went back to school but he was so frail looking that it made his teachers uncomfortable <laughs> him being in the class because they thought well you know he's liable to fall out of the chair dead at any moment he looked like that and so they talked to the principal, and the principal called him in and, and said, Look, uh, you know, we, we heard about, you know, how you recovered and raised up, and we're, we're glad, but, you know, we just want you to know that uh, uh, the, the normal rules don't apply to you. That uh, if you feel tired after a first hour class, and they had to take a stair up to the next one. He said, uh, you don't have to go to that class if you don't feel like you're up for it. And if you feel like you need to get some water or something, you don't have to ask anybody. Just get up and get it. Or if you just want to go home and you think, I, I need to rest the rest of the day, uh, you, you can do that. And Brother Hagin said they didn't realize it, but they made it really easy for him to lose his healing. Class, are y'all awake? They made it really easy for him to lose his healing. You might say, why, why would that be? Well, why say get up and get your bed too? Hmm? Because after eight years of living in bed, right? Being completely locked into the bed, you know, even miraculously being healed, uh, he hadn't used all these muscles for eight years. Is that right? I mean, I'd, I don't know exactly what his status was, but it, it would be, I shouldn't say could, it would be a big temptation 
after you stand up for a few minutes and go, praise God, praise God, that you look down and go, you know, I think I'm just going to lay back down. No. Come on, are y'all with me or not? Huh? It'd be too easy to slide right back into that. And next thing you know, you're staying there more and more and more. That's how you lose a miracle. Now, there are people that say, I just don't believe that now. I believe if God does something, you couldn't lose it. And what's that based on? Huh? Just an idea you decided to have? No. Remember Jesus said when he ministered to that man, the five porches of sick folk, and he went and ministered to him, and he was raised up, and, and later on he found him. He, one of the things he told him, he said, don't sin anymore, lest a worse thing come on you. Is he saying he could get back in that same shape or even worse? The Lord told him that, yes. right? Yes. So don't be believing just goofy things with no scripture for it. No, just like you can receive a healing and lay hold of it, you can also turn loose of it. And if you've gotten accustomed to a lifestyle of dependency, you got to watch about getting lazy, sliding back into it. And you cannot use a sickness for advantage and get rid of it. Y'all understand? If you use it, you're going to keep it. It's not going anywhere. You can't use it for self-pity, for attention, to get out of school, to get out of work. Even young ones and little ones, you know? Sometimes little ones will try to say, you know, yeah, I'm sick, I can't go to school, especially on test day. <laughs> if they are, and you need to do something with them, okay. But you need to discern if they really are. If they're not, that's a bad habit. Did you hear? Bad habit. Start using, I mean, there's all kind of adults going to call in sick today. Right? Pretend they got something wrong because they want a day off. You never want to use the curse. You never want to use something of your enemy as some kind of temporary advantage. If you, need, if you want off, ask off. But don't play sick. If you are sick, okay. Deal with it the way you feel like that you should. But don't use it or you'll never lose it. It'll stay with you from now on. So Brother Hagin said they didn't realize it, but they made it really easy for him to slip back into not going to school, you know, skipping class, just stay in bed, right? Well, you start doing that, you're going to be in there more and more. You can wind up right back where you were or worse. And so he said, there were times, especially later in the day, during the school day, you know, like after lunch or something, he would feel so tired, and the bell would ring, and those words would come back to him, Mr. So-and-so, who was the principal, you don't even have to tell anybody. You don't have to ask permission. Just don't go. Just, just go home. And, and he, he said something, and anyone would say, uh-uh, don't you do it. Get up. <laughs> Get up. 
hold on to the rail <laughs> and get, get to that next class. Huh? And because he did that, he got better and better. He started putting on weight. He got stronger and stronger. Hallelujah. And was in the ministry for 60-something years. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say praise God. I know uh, one of the first uh, mission trips I went on outside the country, I went to uh, Quetzaltenango, Guatemala, up in the mountains there, and we had crusades, and we also built a wood frame church, and I was part of a large group. And um, they cautioned us uh, not to drink the water there. And because, uh, uh, you know, every place is different. It's got its own microbes and bacteria and that stuff and some you're used to some you're not so they said just drink bottled water and so we all agreed yeah yeah that's right and so uh, uh, I don't know there's a bunch of us large group I think it was like I don't know, 15 or something of us or 20 and, uh, so I got up that next morning and getting ready to go and I brushed my teeth over the sink and, and used the water and rinse my mouth out with the water. And as I'm going, I thought, oh, uh-oh. I just remembered, you know. And um, so we went about and, and, and did some stuff that day. And, uh, and then a few hours after that, the, the, when we got to wake up the next morning, oh, man, my stomach felt like World War III was getting ready to happen. I mean, <laughs> oh, I felt something is not right, man. Uh, and, and it wasn't just me. It was two-thirds of the group. Couldn't get out of bed. Couldn't leave the, the house. And so uh, I laid there, and the thought came to me, you better just go back to bed, you know. And then another thought came. I think it was the Holy Spirit. He said, no, you lay down. You're going to be here for the rest of the trip. Did you hear that? Yeah. You got to watch what you yield to. You got to watch what you give into. And so, man, I did not feel like it, but I got up, put one foot in front of the other. I got dressed, and we rode down this rough, rough road up into the mountains, and I could feel every bump <laughs> and every sway of the truck. But we got out, and the air was nice and brisk, and the sun came out, and it started warming up a little bit. And, and in about three or four hours, I realized... I hadn't even thought about that in the last three hours, and I never had one symptom or one problem for the next two weeks, whatever we did there, and the rest of the crew stayed in the room the whole time. They were sick. Now, I don't say the whole rest of the crew, but that it's like two-thirds of the crew. They stayed there only in time to go back home. Well, it's a matter of what you yield to. It's a mistake to just accept something hmm? that you know is not God's will. And even though uh, you may have experienced it for years, I mean, you know, eight years in this kind of situation, that's a long time. It gets long in bed all day, all night, every day. Uh, got to wait on somebody to move you and all this kind of stuff. Um, you could despair. You know, a lot of people have gotten suicidal in these kind of situations. A lot of people have taken their own life. 
But wouldn't it have been tragic if this man had taken his own life after seven and a half years? Huh? Because he didn't know it, but at seven and a half years, he's a few months from being completely free from this. Huh? He didn't know that, but he was. And with God, there's no such thing as too late or impossible or too hard. When you're talking about things like this, it just, uh, no matter what man may say, and, and it may be impossible for man, it may be hopeless to man, but not with God. Somebody say, not with God. Not, not with God. And so he had kept his bed eight years and was sick of the palsy. And we notice that the command that the Lord gave him through Peter by the Holy Spirit was to rise and also to make his bed. So we got two references to the bed in these two verses. And so that, you know, uh, anytime the Lord mentions something, and especially repeatedly in the Word, you, you do not want to just glaze over it and go, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's how it was. No, he could have said it a thousand different ways, right? And he could have said it without mentioning anything about a mat or a bed. Now, this is part of the story. This is part of the revelation. Why take up the bed? Is that any part of the healing? Well, yes, we, we actually saw also that that man at the five porches, Jesus found him later after he was healed and warned him. He said, uh, don't sin anymore. So obviously he had, he had been into some stuff previously that he shouldn't have been. Sin no more unless a worse thing come on you. So you could wind back in this bad and worse shape. So yeah, the bed matters. The bed was this bedfast man's identity. After a while, you identify with things. This is your life. And this, I thank God for good doctors and nurses. I believe a man or woman can be called to the medical profession as a call. Just like I'm called to preach. I respect it. I honor it. But one place I diverge <laughs> from some of their mentality is when some of these professionals start insisting that people accept things. Hmm? Are y'all with me? And what they're saying is, we can't help you. There is no help or hope medically, so you need to resign yourself and accept that it's hopeless. I say absolutely not. No, no. Now just because you know something about the body and medicine, now you're interfering with our area over here. Hmm? No. Uh -uh. You're talking about spiritual things that you don't know about. All things are possible. Come on, say it out loud, class. All things are possible with God. And all things are possible to him or her that believes. Jesus said it. Right? And so no matter, somebody may be the best there is in their field, in their 
specialty. But that doesn't mean they know everything about what God can and can't do. Right? And it doesn't mean they know what you can and can't believe. doesn't mean they know what's possible and what's not possible. Just because they can't do it doesn't mean it can't be done. There's something bigger than them. I thank God for it. But that's going too far. And because I've seen professionals just, I mean, come down on people and say, now you have to accept this. And you have to just, you know, resign yourself to this. No. Now you may have to temporarily deal with some things, but you don't give up hope. Amen. You don't just say, that's it, I'm done, I have to die with this at 35 years old. No, you don't. I said, no, you don't. You can be healed. We've seen it over and over again. Well, I, you know, I got this nerve damage. I got this liver damage. I've got this heart damage. I'll never be able to do. Never say never. Never say I will never be able. No. Uh, the scripture says faith calls those things that be not as though they were. Let the weak say I am strong. Confess Psalm 91 with long life. He will satisfy me and show me his salvation. So no, uh, there are times that you, you first of all, you, you don't allow yourself to get boxed into an identity with a problem, uh, associating with it to the point where uh, it, it and you are the same. Um, you, you know, the same thing is true with addictions. I thank God for all the good work that some of these groups have done in helping people get free from addictions. And you do have to acknowledge that you've got an addiction and you've got to deal with it. But you don't want to confess the rest of your life, I'm an alcoholic. Uh-uh. No, I know where they're coming from. Because so many times people live in denial. And they keep wanting to act like and say, no, I can quit any time. I don't have a problem. And then they stay on a drunk for a week and pass out and black out. No, they got a problem, right? <laughs> they need to make major changes. But you don't, many times these folks haven't understood the power of words. Words created the universe. And what you say over yourself matters. You don't play and pretend and act like you hadn't got yourself in a jam here. But you don't want to identify with the addiction, I am this. No, you were that. And you've been delivered. Hallelujah. You've been delivered. Call yourself free. Call yourself delivered. Call yourself healed. Now don't play with temptation. I'm not talking about that. Don't go back to it. Don't play with it. Say, well, I'm free now. I can do what I want to. No, no, don't be stupid. No, but it matters what you say. And uh, that's why even if I was diagnosed with a disease, you'll never hear me call it mine. You see what I'm saying? My cancer. Uh-uh. No, it ain't mine, <laughs> right? The enemy may be trying to put it on you, but it ain't mine. 
And a lot of these, a lot of these things spiritually are like deliveries to your door. <laughs> and they go, delivery, <laughs> delivery for Keith. Where's that from? Uh, we're not saying. I wonder where it's from. Where's the, where's the address? Oh, hell no. I'm not, I'm not taking it. It says from hell. No, I'm not, I'm not taking that. <laughs> now you're laughing, but do things come from the pit? I mean, they come ideas, suggestions, and disease, and addictions, and lack and confusion are absolutely hellish things. They are of the enemy, of the devil. And you need to say, no, I'm not signing for that. I'm not receiving that. And the enemy try to say, you already got it. You already got it. Look at those symptoms. Feel that. See that. See the report. No, I'm seeing leaves. I'm seeing symptoms. But there's a root. And the root can't take root in me unless and until I say, okay, I'm a this. I can't help it. I got to resign myself. This is my lot in life from God. No, no, some class say no, no, no. It didn't come from God. It's not a sign to you from God. There's a lot of talk like this amongst church people, but it's wrong. It is contrary to the truth. It's contrary to reality. There is a devil. There is an enemy. And the scripture told us, don't give place to the devil. Ephesians said, neither give place to the devil. What does that mean? That means he's going to try to sell you on some stuff. He's going to try to worm his way into your life. He's going to try to get you to accept things. You should not accept and identify with things you should not identify with. You'll find in the, in the epistles the language of in him, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in him, in him. And that's what you and I need to meditate on and confess. Not what we look like and feel like in our bodies or in this temporary situation going on here, but who I am in Christ, who I am in Him, what I have in Him, what I can do in Him. And the Bible says in Him, I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. No matter how unworthy I might feel, I got to shut off this focusing on my feelings and focus on what he said. Amen. And the scripture says, in him, in him, I have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. I have the mind of Christ. Amen. Don't identify with dumb. Amen. Huh? <laughs> Somebody say, all right, all the dumb ones in here, raise your hand. I don't want to see one hand go up in faith school. Is that right? You know better. Huh? All the broke ones, raise your hand. Uh-uh. All the sick ones. Now, even if you've got symptoms, 
you don't have to identify with sickness, right? It's just some, some temporary stuff you're having to deal with and overcome. I'm, class, I hope you're listening now. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed. Maybe with some symptoms, but I am the healed. Is that right? I'm not the lost trying to get saved. Huh? No, I've been saved. I've been saved. Even if I've got some symptoms of heathen-like behavior <laughs> or some symptoms of unbeliever-like actions. I'm not the lost trying to get saved. I was lost. I received Jesus. I am the saved. I am the saved. I am the healed. I am the blessed. I am the prosperous. I am the delivered. I am the free. Can you say amen? amen? And so even if you're having to use some things or deal with some issues or symptoms temporarily, everything down here is temporary. Say it out loud, temporarily. 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 You don't identify with the bad stuff, with the curse, and say, I'm this. I, you know, and so this man had been paralyzed, bedfast for eight years. And for sure, he had identified with that in that length of time. That's his life. That's his routine every day, every night. But when the Lord raised him up and said, get up and take your bed, it's like the blind Bartimaeus. You remember when he rose up, he threw away his cloak. You remember that? There's a breaking, a departure from an identification with things that would lock you into this. And uh, you got to watch because the enemy is always, I mean always, trying to get you to identify with something that's not God. He starts with little children. Little, have you ever wondered why? It's so prevalent, the mockery and the bullying, even in elementary school, the name calling. Huh? The name. Now, see, what, that's in every culture. I don't care where you go, what language you speak, what background, what religion. It's the same in every culture. Little ones who don't know anything else. They've only been in the world a few years only been alive a few years and here is this activity of calling people making fun of their facial features or some body part or calling them dumb stupid slow all these names you know what's going on there the enemy's trying to sow a seed of impression into them to get them to believe and identify with a deficiency, uh, some kind of uh, inability, some kind of something to believe. They're dumb, they're ugly, they're slow, they can't, because he knows if that gets in you and you start believing it and saying it, it'll shape you. It'll shape you. 
which is why it's so important that we have churches and our little ones are ministered to at home and in church and they hear who they are in Christ. They find out how the Lord sees them and they identify with Christ. And it needs to happen early on so that by the time they're getting into classes and schools and especially by the time they're in elementary, mid-school, high school, college, they are so identified with who they are in Christ, this other stuff just falls off of them, from them like, like the proverbial water off a duck's back. They just, people can say what they want, and they don't believe it. They won't accept it. They won't identify with it. Makes them secure. Makes them safe. And when you're like that, you're not, you know, you don't fall for all this, I dare you. Everybody's doing it. You know, the peer pressure and the stupid dare stuff, you, you're secure enough. You're like, I got nothing to prove to you. Just because you don't know who you are doesn't mean I don't know who I am. I know who I am. I, and it's not just who I am after the natural. I know who I am inside. I know who I am in Christ. That's what gives you your real lasting value and your strength. Can you say amen? amen. So uh, Psalm 41, keep reading it. It said, uh, the Lord will help him on his bed of sorrow. And you have turned all his couch in his sickness. Uh, I'm reading now the, the BBE. Skip on down to verse uh, 4. He said, Lord, have mercy on me. Make my soul well because my faith is in you. Verse 8, he said, the enemy said, he has an evil disease which will not let him go. And now that he is down, he will not get up again. Uh, one translation says, now that he's bedfast, he'll never get off of there. He'll never get out of there. Can you see? And it keep, that's keep talking about the will of his enemy. Who's telling you you'll never come off that bed? Huh? Who's telling you you'll never be able to pay off that debt? Who's telling you? Wants you to identify that I'm the victim. I'm the failure. I'm the broke. No, you're not. In Christ, you're the delivered. You're the healed. You're the prosperous. The Bible uses the word rich. Amen. Though he was rich for your sakes, he became poor that you through his poverty might be made rich. You've been made rich. You've been made righteous. You've been made well. You've been made free. Identify with that. Amen. Confess that. Claim that. Amen. And anything else is just some temporary. Huh? Temporary symptoms. That's trying to convince me otherwise, but I ain't buying it. I ain't signing for it. I'm not, somebody say, I'm not signing for it. I'm, I'm not signing for it. I'm not receiving it. You take that back where it came from. <laughs> you take that right back. <laughs> and our time's up again. Can you believe that? Say it out loud. I live by faith. I walk by faith. I overcome this world by faith. I'm strong in faith. Giving glory to God. Uh, love Brother Keith Moore. Hallelujah.
praise God. Well, there's an identification that we have with Christ, and that's in his death, burial, and resurrection. So we identify with that for him, with him, because he substituted that for us. He did that so, because we couldn't. There was no price that we could pay for the condition mankind was in. And so Christ had to fulfill all those things for us. So he, he died. He was buried. And he was resurrected. And as for the church, we identify more so with the resurrection because we've already died to him. If you've been born again, you've already died with him. You were buried with him. And now we're on the resurrection side. And all that we identify with, with that resurrection side, we need to live in. So as he mentioned there, the in him, the in, who, uh, in whom, and, and so on. There's about 130 of those in the epistles. And so if you were to look those up and, and identify with those, you'd understand where your place is in Christ. That just makes us totally victorious. Amen? Totally victorious. <laughs> Amen. 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 See, the resurrection, you know, we don't have to wait until we die to be resurrected with him. You're already resurrected with him. We're seated at the right hand of God. Amen? In heavenly places. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Amen? Again, it makes us victorious. Hallelujah. Well, glory be to God. Um, we are going to have the Word Care team come up here in a few minutes. And if you need prayer for anything, whatever, they are here to pray with you, agree with you, and be a blessing to you. Amen? And it's, and it's offering time. I, I love this part of, a, of the kingdom because, you know, you don't have to give. You get to give. And in giving, you get blessed by it. When you sow seed, you reap a harvest. Amen? Amen. So let's say this together. This is my seed. I sow it into the kingdom of God. Seed, do what you do best. Grow. I sow you to spread the gospel. I sow you to strengthen believers. I sow you to go where I cannot. I sow you to grow, multiply, and return in great supply. Harvest, I receive you. Lack, I resist you. His supply is sufficient. I walk in abundance of grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. <laughs> As Brother Key said at the start of the whole thing, there's this, the whole kingdom works off of seed time and, and harvest. Amen. As you sow, you reap. We get to be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. All right. Where's Jess? Jess is in the nursery. Okay, so you have to give up the guitar so you go over here to pray for people. All right. <laughs> okay, so give him a, give him a few minutes then and uh, for Jess to get up here and then come on ahead. Do not miss out on getting some prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen. Be blessed.